Saving money is something many UAE residents struggle to achieve. According to a 2018 study from HSBC, more than three quarters of UAE residents are not saving anything for their retirement. Two in five agree it's better to spend money on enjoying life now than saving for retirement, and more than half are typically saving for short-term goals rather than longer-term plans. So why are residents finding it so hard to save? And what strategies should they put in place to ensure their hard-earned dirhams are safely stored for the future? I'm Alice Hayne, the personal finance editor of The National, and joining me is Gillian Duncan, a news reporter from The National. Later, we'll be joined by Steve Cronin, founder of DeadSimpleSaving.com, an independent community for financial education in the UAE, who will offer us some tips on how to save. And we'll also hear from Leila Clark, general manager of the studio, a Dubai business providing photography and videography services, who once saved 500 dirhams by cutting out coffee and takeaway lunches for a month. So Gillian, when we last had you on the show, you were planning to limit yourself to 3,000 dirhams of spending a week in January. And that was going to be 1,500 dirhams on weekdays and 1,500 dirhams on weekends. So how is that process going? Okay, so we did almost make it. (laughs) And we fell at the last hurdle that month, that first month, because, you know, I did not plan for Molly's after school activities that we had to um, pay for. So you, when you say the first month, you mean the first month of this year? January, January yeah. yeah. Um, it's not that we didn't have the money. We do have the money. It's just we put the money away into a credit card to pay it off, whereas I should have kept more money out to, to do it, um, to cover these expenses. But I completely forgot about her after school activities. So then in the last week, I was using the credit card that I had paid money into to then pay for the shopping, which was very silly. Yes, it's always the unexpected expenses. So can I just understand your strategy yeah. here? You're trying to pay down a credit card, exactly. is that right? And to clear it. Yes. So you need to understand exactly what those outgoings are going to be. Yeah. I mean, do you have a, a, a even a notebook where you're jotting it all down, exactly what those expenses are going to be, I the big expenses? But perhaps I should be doing that because I thought, you know, I'd calculated the expenses and we were all going to be good. You know, this is going to be plenty of money for the week, for the, the weekend. And then, of course, the after school activity came up and, and we had to, to pay it. So I shouldn't, I should have written this into to the the budget. I mean, as much as paying off the credit card should always be a priority because the credit card is a very high interest uh, way to borrow and you're paying extremely high costs. If you're not clearing that balance every month, you're looking at average interest rates on credit cards over the course of a year of about 40%. So you've got a great strategy there, which is to pay off that credit card as much as you possibly can. But at the same time, when you're thinking about that planning, those those I'd say anything over 500 dirhams, you need to be writing down what, okay. what is it that's coming up this okay. month. Make sure you know exactly what those big costs are. And then, but at the same time, maybe put a little bit less aside for saving, yep. but at least you're building it up yep. because your priority, as you say, should be to clear that credit card. And yep. once you've cleared that credit card, then you can start sort of hurling money into the savings account. But at the same time, it's all about having that other account, which is the, 
that's there to kind of meet those everyday expenses, the washing machine breaking, the oven breaking yes. down. And this is what we need to activity. establish. Like This is definitely now what we need to do because it's always what derails us. You know, if there's um, like an unexpected expense and we're just so keen to pay it off that we just we don't plan for that. And then it's silly. You end up using it anyway. Yeah, so. Exactly. So one way to do it is to have different accounts. So you can have a, a, an account that maybe you both have access to, which you literally put a lump sum in every month that pays those bills. And then you want to have a savings account, which should hold your emergency fund and how you want to save that is up to you. Um, and then you want your kind of regular checking account that's going to cover your groceries and the everyday bills. But you want to keep them all separate so that there's still pots of money around to cover all those bases so that the surprise expenses aren't eating into your savings or into your debt repayments. Yeah. And why do you think people generally struggle to save here? And it's it's really very difficult. I think the cost of living is extremely high. You know, we're not a family. We do not. We have a um, two kids, one six year old, one almost nine month old. We do not go out to brunches. We don't do these things that people are typically are said to do here. But yet, I I still feel like it's you know when you you tot up all the bills, you know, the AC costs are high, the electricity is high, you know your rent, all these things added together, you know they they really mount up. So I was having a chat to a friend the other day and she was saying to me that some of the people in her company earn 15,000 or less and she's amazed that these people still manage to save. And I said, why? Mm. I said, it's always about living within your income. So if, if your income is 15,000, then you're not going to go and rent a villa for 20,000 a month. You're going you're to find something that's accommodative to your budget. And so, as you say, things are expensive. You've got a family to support. I've got a family to support. I know how expensive that is. Um, but it's about kind of curtailing those very, very big costs, those big ticket costs, your rent, your school fees, keeping those as low as possible because they're the things that really eat up your budget. But another really anecdotal uh, sort of example here, Gillian, is that I was in um, a supermarket yesterday and I bought four lemons and the woman said to me, are those the American lemons? And I said, oh, I don't know. And this woman next to me said, oh, I've got the cheap ones. And her lemons cost two dirham. My lemons cost something like 16 dirham. Wow. I said, oh, I'll go swap. So it's just those little costs. If you're not thinking, if you're not switched on all the time, there are ways to cut the costs. And it's just about thinking strategically and thinking consciously all the time about how that money is being spent and what it's being spent on. And as I say, the big ticket items are the really key things. But we should bring in Steve now, Steve Cronin, because he can explain to us why people in the UAE are typically bad savers. And joining me is Steve Cronin, the founder of DeadSimpleSaving.com. Hi, Alice. Pleased to be here. So how can we, how can we make that happen? What would be your guide to, to get us all started? I think people in the UAE are typically pretty bad savers, not everybody. But there's so many distractions here. We are away from our friends and family. We work hard. Uh, there's lots of ways to spend money here. And so savings kind of go out the window. And unfortunately, people can spend many years in the UAE and then leave and not have saved anything. So you do need a bit of discipline. If if you can save some money while you live here, you're not paying tax on your income. You're not paying capital gains tax on your savings and investments. It's a massive opportunity to move towards financial independence. 
And so I really encourage everybody to try and save that little bit extra that they can every month. It's going to make an enormous difference to your future and to your retirement. Frankly, your retirement is going to come far earlier than you ever realized if you can save money in the UAE. So how how can we become better savers, Steve? It has to be a conscious decision. And if there's two of you or an entire family, you have to do it consciously as well. You can't just have one person spending a lot of money, especially if they're a bit lonely or whatever. You, you do have to control this as a family. Um, and the way you do that is to realize the enormous benefits of saving. And then that can take away some of the pain of saying no when you want to buy something. So where do you start? I mean, in in my household, it was me. I had a baby and I panicked. I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to support this child for the rest of my life. So it was literally like someone turned the lights on and my attitude towards money and finances changed overnight. Um, and and it's a, ever since then, I've been driving that ship and my husband's fully on board and uh, we have a, a great saving strategy. How does everybody else, how do they start? Where, what's the first step they should take? I think the very first step is to understand the benefits. So if you if you Google financial independence, forget Googling personal finance, that's been taken over by the financial military industrial complex. You're not going to get any good advice if you Google financial uh, personal finance. If you Google something like financial independence, there are people who are really clear on the benefits of saving and how that's going to transform your future. So for example, if you can save this money and invest it sensibly over the long term, you will be able to stop work early. And therefore, every dirham that you can save goes towards that and brings your retirement date earlier and earlier. So that's motivation. Secondly, uh, you need to um, understand what a good savings rate is. And when I tell people that they should be saving 50% of their income, they fall over because they're like, I've got kids. Um, well, it doesn't matter if you have kids. If you if you can find a way to save 50% of your monthly salary every single month, you will have an amazing life in the future. Um, even if, you, if you're currently saving 20% of your monthly income, if you can stretch that to 21%, then 25%, then 30%, you will have a better life. You'll be more resilient against any shocks that come and uh, and you will be able to retire and relax. And when I say retirement, I don't necessarily mean lying on the beach. I mean, you don't have to have a boss. You can go and do something that you were really put on this earth to do. So 50%, Gillian, do you think you could save 50% of your income? Could we save 50% of our income? I don't know if we could. Because we have our... Our housing is about... is not is not extortionate. It's about 20% of our income. So that's okay. I think once we pay off the debt, we could probably get close to 40%. That's pretty good. Or th- between 30 and 40 Well, there's a rule of thumb that I always stick by, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, which is the 50-30-20 ratio. And that's when you put your budget together, you calculate your percentages into three sections. So half of your take-home pay should go towards your needs, and that includes your housing, food, and transport 30% to your wants, so that it's going out, having a great day out, um, you know, at a theme park or something, and 20% goes to savings and debt. Now, that's that's a starting point. Right, so you've got two levers. You can increase your income, and this is as a family. If there's two of you, both need to think about this, and you can reduce your expenses. And then the other way is to cut back uh, kind of at the other end in your in terms of your own lifestyle. Yeah, so this is the more painful way that people try to 
uh, try to avoid. I think you have to be conscious that there's always going to be someone, uh, especially in the UAE where there is a lot of wealth here, there are a lot of wealthy people, there's always going to be someone who's got a bigger yacht than you. There's always going to be someone who's got a bigger house than you. You go to certain parts of town with these amazing villas, you're going to get a bit depressed because you're like, oh. Um, you have to be aware that lifestyle inflation is going to be very dangerous. That as you get a pay rise, you think, oh, well, now it's time to move into one of those gigantic villas because that's the stage of life we've reached. But actually, um, that's not necessarily true at all. You, you have to um, make your money work hard on your behalf and spending it on a huge villa that you don't really need just to make you feel better about yourself, just to impress people that you probably don't like anyway, uh, is, is not one of the ways to, to do it. So I'm doing quite well then because I've lived in the same villa for 15 years and I think I started out with two of us and now there's four of us. So it's getting quite cosy, but I've never moved. There you go. So you're impressing people in a different way with, you your, with your practicality and frugality. And I'm not spending on moving. But yes, yeah, so that's one way. So not to kind of keep up the Joneses, to use that phrase. Um, and the other one is always the cars. There's a love of cars. I do look at the, along my street and see all the lovely cars. And then I've got my the same car that I've had for the last 10 years parked in the garage. So that's one way is to, to not try to increase your lifestyle as you're going along. But you can also make, uh, there's lots of other ways that you can kind of cut back on spending and costs. Yes, absolutely. So uh, recently there was something called No Spend September where you just try to reduce your spend as much as possible. And, and like a, a diet or a detox a cleanse, you can just try to do it for a limited period. And so it will seem more, more bearable for you. And, and during that time, what you need to do is to try to cut down on the big expenditures and then try to um, also cut down on the small expenditures that add up. So the big categories, the things like rent, education, might be difficult to reduce those. Um, but if you're renting a car, maybe you just rent a cheaper car at, uh, for a month. If you're used to renting a fancy BMW, uh, why not go and just rent a Toyota Yaris for a month and see if anybody cares? And I guarantee you that almost no one will care whatsoever. Uh, apart from the people who would tease you anyway, probably about your BMW. So the big categories that you can cut out altogether, things like brunches that are expensive, things like fancy holidays, things like um, if your friends are inviting you to extravagant baby showers that cost 1,500 dirhams a go, or, or you know that there are expenses that you could easily chop out, chop them out for a month, and you will find at the end of the month that you simply don't miss them at all. When it comes to smaller expenses, so takeouts, for example, and deliveries are a huge thing. If, if you're constantly getting deliveries to the office, food deliveries, if you're constantly getting them to, at home, try cooking at home for a month and uh, try say, okay, I'm going to have one or two deliveries a week and, and see what happens. And one or two a week? One or two a week, is that even possible? I do one a month. Uh, no, one every two months, I'd say. Really? Well, I'm not sure you're typical. Um, you're obviously a very good cook. But lots of people, they literally have their meals, three meals a day delivered to them. Wow. This is what I do. <laughs> Why are you having three meals a day delivered? So <clears throat> I've now been, I've now had two babies. My second daughter I had uh, almost nine months ago. I had gestational diabetes in both 
pregnancies. But one of the, the main things I can do for myself is to, to lose weight. So that's what I'm doing. And I am doing that very successfully, I have to say. Well, there you go. It's, it's a health cost. You can <laughs> exactly. factor it into health costs. And I do believe that, you know, you still should have a little bit of uh, joy in life. And if, yeah. if having your meals delivered and helps you on that journey, then that's great. Yeah. You know, we all have things that we, we want to spend on. Saving money is so powerful. Firstly, it means you have more money to invest every month. And secondly, it means that you get used to a, a more normal, slightly more frugal standard of living. So you don't need so much money in the future. That's why it's doubly powerful. It can also be quite addictive. I, I know people that have started saving and then they have increased that saving amount because they get addicted to seeing the numbers pile up. I know it motivates me. I like to see the numbers going up, the amount that I've saved going up all the time. And, and you know, as well as cooking in the house, there's lots of kind of lifestyle things. You know, there's lots of different vouchers that you can use so if you're going out to a restaurant or to uh, some kind of leisure option there's different ways around that you can also still do the things that you enjoy but pay less for it yes there's so many free things you can go to the beach you can uh, you can go to a park you can have your your friends around for for a board game night uh, these things are all virtually free you don't have to spend money to uh, to have fun. You don't have to lavish your friends and family and children with expensive gifts. They just want your love and time and attention. So what about you, Jill? Do you find that there's some activities that you do that don't cost any money with the family? Yeah, I mean, we go for... My daughter has a broken arm right now, so it's not as easy, but um, we do. We like to go to some of the parks in the city. Um, she loves to ride her bike and, and things. I really like the new mangrove walk. We can all do that as a family. Um, and we are annual pass members at Warner Brothers, which is essentially <laughs> once you've paid the, the cost, it's a cheap day out. You know, we have uh, all we have to do is eat our meals there. So we yeah, we do most of our, our activities at the weekend. Actually, we do not spend any money on. Um, we live quite frugally. <laughs> you do live frugally. Yeah. So how are we going to get that credit card debt down? Well, you know, what, what, what do you think is going on there with... Why do you think that's accumulated I, over time? I think this is because we don't have, we're not putting money aside for our flights and for these big costs. So therefore, we then need to find a huge amount of money at one time to pay. Like we just paid our flights and they were like what, 12 or 14,000, I think. We didn't have that sitting waiting to, to, to spend. Oh, we could have done, but it was money we we're going to put in our card. So, so this is this is where we really need to change. We need to to build a, a fund that we can use when our fridge breaks down, or we need to buy our flights, or we even really small things that like derailed us in January that when I have to cover Molly's uh, after school activities. But once you pay it off, Gillian, I mean, credit cards aren't always bad. That's right, isn't it, Steve? Now, credit cards are great. You know, they can be really good. Um, I like to think of them as like matches. You can use a match to light some candles and you can have a nice bath or you can use a match to burn your house down, right? We are adults. It's time to put on the adult pants and just be disciplined when it comes to your to your credit cards. Um, in fact, um, I would caution anyone using just their debit card because uh, you do get instances of um, card skimming here where your card can get replicated. And if people steal money on for your debit card that is your money and it will take the bank maybe a few weeks to get that money back and a lot of hassle and some sleepless nights if you are paying only with your credit card then 
it's not really your money for the first 30 days. You phone up the bank, you just ask them, you say, this is a fraudulent transaction, please please cancel it. They'll cancel it immediately. They're insured up to the eyeballs against fraudulent transactions. And so um, really, the only thing that should see your debit card is the ATM machine and nothing else. So that's why credit cards are very useful. Great. So just to kind of wrap up here, what about budgeting? Just going back to the basics of budgeting. When I first started budgeting all those years ago when I had that baby and went into panic mode I literally used to have my salary and my husband's salary and I would write down on it in a notebook and I'd allocate where it went and that's how we started out and it worked and it kept you know got me on the right track and and I'm in a great place now so how should people start and approach that? So the first thing is to know what you spend currently which is mega boring and this is where people mostly grind to a halt on their journey to financial independence because they just can't be bothered to track their expenses. But increasingly these days, it's easier. You've got apps that can track your expenses. Um, most of us just put most of the stuff on, on the credit card so you can just go through all the messages that you get. You can go through your statement. Just even if you just do it once, just track what you spend and categorize it for, um, for a month. Then you think, well, okay, let's set ourselves a bit of a stretch target. How can we reduce our expenses by X? So if you're spending 15,000 dirhams, how can we reduce it to 12,000 dirhams this month? Um, And then you could say, well, the next month, let's see if we can reduce it to 11,000 dirhams and think of ways to do that. And because you have the data in front of you, because you can see what you're spending on the big things and what you're spending on the small things, some of those numbers are going to shock you and you're going to say, right, I'm going to chop out food deliveries, or I'm going to chop out fancy brunches, and that's how you'll be able to budget. If you have real spending problems and you have real difficulty with this, then um, take out a certain chunk of your salary at the start of the month so that all you have left in your bank account is literally that 12,000 dirhams that you're going to allow yourself to live on. Then you're going to be much more conscious of running out of, of money by the end of the month. Or if you're really desperate, you can use the envelope method where you put, you put um, literally you put money into an envelope and you write food and you write car and rent and that's all you're allowed to spend from that. And if you run out of money for food, then you're going to go hungry for 15 days. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I started with, uh, and it's actually something I still do now, I automatically take most of my money out of my account every month to save and invest. And I keep a small amount in the account for day-to-day little spends where you might need cash. And because it's such a small amount, it psychologically makes me think I've got no money. And I still live as if I'm broke, as I was in my 20s. And I'm now in my 40s, and I'm happy to admit that. And I still live in that kind of slightly broke mindset. And so does my husband. So we still think we're broke, but we're not. But it, as a result, it helps us to spend less. And it's a very simple trick, but it's just something that works for us. Everyone's got their own trick. What's your trick, Steve? Um, I think my trick is to to think about what I where I want to get to. So I, I believe that you need to triangulate between your net worth, which is your your total assets minus your total liabilities. So what you actually have, uh, your value at the end of the day. You have to balance that against your monthly savings rate and happiness. We can't forget happiness out of this, right? So um, I'm hoping, even though you're living uh, like you are in your 20s, are you actually enjoying life or are you kind of being... I'm having a great time, don't worry about it. Fantastic. Okay, good. So if you find that you are not as close to your target net worth as you should be, 
then maybe you will have to dial down your happiness for a bit and increase your savings rate. Well, I think we should all learn to live that way. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Do you have a question for us on Pocketful of Dirhams? If you do, write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember, PF stands for personal finance. We'll now speak to Leila Clark, an accomplished saver who's the general manager of the studio. So Leila, you once saved 500 dirhams by cutting out coffee and takeaway lunches for a month. Why did you do that? Um, I was suddenly realising that I was buying coffee every day um, at a cafe and I just thought that's an awful lot of money when you add it all up. So I thought for one month I was going to make all my own lunches, not to get takeaway coffees, just to see how much I saved. And when I looked back and calculated it, um, it was that amount. And were you surprised? Yes, I was surprised. I was surprised and also quite shocked. And why was that? Just because of the amount that actually goes out on those minor expenses? Yeah, it's just the things that you just buy without even thinking about it um, that actually are the ones that add up the most. What percentage of your income do you save? Um, I try and save 25% per month. And is that something you're looking to increase in the future? Ideally, yes. But, you know, I also I don't want to restrict myself too much. So it's, a, it's all about being a conscious spender, isn't it? And thinking carefully about exactly what your money is going on. So talk me through your saving strategies, as well as having months where you cut out things. How, would you consider yourself a good saver? Um, I would consider myself an organised saver. Um, I spoke to someone years and years ago um, who said to me, always pay yourself first. So always deal with your savings first and then you can work out how much money you have to spend on other things. I have my long-term saving plans and then I have my more sort of immediate saving plans as well. Um, nothing that sophisticated, but for example, I love to travel. So I'll always set some money aside each month that goes on my travel fund. And do you put that into a separate account? Yes, I put that into a separate bank account. And then you say you're an organised saver. Does that mean that you, you have spreadsheets and you actually track where your spending is going? Uh, yes, I am a bit of a geek when it comes to spreadsheets. So I have a spreadsheet um, that says what amounts I put into each sort of little saving account each month. And then I've worked out just by going back through the last few months what I spend on other things. I mean, things like rent and bills, it's easy to work out because that's usually a set amount each month. Um, so then from that, I know what money I have for other sort of social and leisure stuff. And have you always been a good spender? Have you always thought about where your money is going? Um, yes, I've always been aware of what I'm spending on certain things. And um, I just think being what the way I was brought up from an early age, we were always encouraged to sort of be aware of what we're spending on and don't spend what you don't have. I was very, I was probably a lot older than a lot of my friends when I got a credit card. I was maybe about 20 when I got a credit card because I always had the mentality of, well, if I don't have the money, I can't spend it. And looking forward, I mean, you, you have, you, you save for your travel and you save for your long-term expenses. I assume by that you mean your retirement. But I mean, yes. is there any time that you, is there any big goal that you're aiming for? Um, I mean, ultimately, I do want to purchase property. Um, that is a goal that I'd, I'd like to do sooner rather than later, um, more of an investment. 
So that's sort of the main goal that I'm working towards at the moment. And what about spending? What do you splurge on, Leila? Um, to be honest with you, it's probably holidays are my main splurge. Well, we all need a holiday every now and then. Thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you this week to Gillian Duncan, Steve Cronin and Layla Clark. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Erica Elkershi and Aisha Khan. I've been your host, Alice Hayne.